2: Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio.
1: It's a it's a Steve show. This is Steve show, Bruh. Uh,
2: I can't know the uh, y'all. Just sit. I believe our best episodes are when we don't know the guys.
1: Yeah, everybody, calm down, cause I can't carry okay, on. I'm just,
2: so, nah, I'm just letting y'all know. I I you know bring on through. I know you five to one. All right, you know five to one. You're gonna <laughs> so you want to start talking takeover? You in Fante? I know that
3: whole Val Kilmer
0: movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know the whole Val Kilmer movie. I, mean, I saw it last. I
4: know. Time. I know. Okay. Uh, Light my fire, of course. Aren't right. yes. there samples? Did anyone sample the doors? Yes, they were. Okay. Cool. Amir's
5: right. okay,
1: Amir's a drummer too, by the way. I know, right? I think there's. The, we have a whole thing about drums. We no. oh, like, we're we're gonna, know, we're gonna take it. the Donnie Temps- Simpson test today.
0: Yeah, okay. I ain't
1: mad on.
0: at
1: that. Okay. All right, y'all ready? This. I'm with it. All right, here we go. Oh, oh there's jumping happening already. already. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh,
6: let's go. <laughs> hey. How you doing?
2: Hey man, I'm good. Good to good to oh, be here with you.
6: Oh hey. hey. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can see this. My, my wardrobe. I can not see. Wait, I'm
4: doing.
2: I Check see it. It out. Oh, Look
6: at that. Thank He's you.
4: Yeah, late, he sat. He sat in with us. Yes, late, I remember. Late night.
6: Yeah, I man. Remember. Is it because of COVID that um, th- that the the roots are pared down? Uh uh-huh.
2: yeah, it's because of COVID. Yeah. We we can't. Yeah. state yeah. law says that only uh, uh, six ah, people shit. out of eleven uh, are in formation. <sighs> so that's how it is.
6: I got okay. it. okay. Well, I, I used to love that the the tuba. Duplicating the bass lines, it sent me right to mm-hmm. New Orleans. This beautiful, Great. nice octave lower. Yeah, that's cool. Uh,
2: well, crap. Since we already talking, let me start the introduction. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Questlove Supreme. My name is Questlove. We have Team Supreme with us. We got Fontigalo. Hello, sir. What up? Happy New, New Year. Going? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This this is also the time that I'm uh, not pluralizing the word year. uh, I always say Happy New Year's, and I've been corrected one too many times. Um,
4: uh, Sugar Steve, hello. Hello. How you doing, everybody? Hi, John.
2: It's kind of weird for me to say hello to you because I see you every day. So
4: Yeah, I'm pretty sick of you, too. Let's move on.
2: Okay, yeah. <laughs> He's really excited. This
5: is so cool. Unpaid <laughs> bill.
2: Happy <laughs> this runoff. This going to be the Sugar Steve really is a live episode. Yes. Uh, Unpaid bill is, yeah, is with us as well. How you doing? Good. Unpaid happy bill. runoff day.
1: Good, yeah, good Happy now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Happy whatever you said day. Yeah and uh Laya is hey. with us as well.
0: That's right. Happy fiftieth month, my friend. <laughs> yes,
2: oh, I you're did. right with me. There's okay, you're still nineteen.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm not yes, I'm right with you as far as our birthday's on the same day, but it's your fifty. But not That's 50. different. You know yeah. what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, all right. So our guest today, y'all. Uh, <laughs> our guest today. This is huge, man. Yeah, very huge. He's a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and he's literally from one of the most influential bands of Never. all time. Um, the Doors have sold over 100 million records. That's nothing to what? stop at. Their music and their influence still resonate to this day. <laughs> yes, I don't know if you know that, John, but you sold over 100 million records. <laughs> wow. Those are th- actual
4: check. records, too, not strings. That's string. true. Not, I, yes, I better check records. my
1: r- Check my royalties. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're on the verge of an, as, or, you know, an ASCAP payback. Today would be good for you, John.
4: <laughs> not
2: not to mention, uh, our guest is also uh, an author, actor, playwright, uh, Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award winner and recipient. And uh, we are extremely honored to have him talk shop with us today in his, his illustrious career. Please welcome to Course Love Supreme, John Densmore, drummer of The Doors. Yes, sir. Sure.
6: Hey, hey, yo, thank ah. you. And, and I'm not dead. You know. Yes, you're very much alive. Uh, yeah, it's a good are. start. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
5: That's
2: an achievement. We're all alive right now. Where are you right now?
6: I'm I'm in my uh, uh, office slash rehearsal room. You know.
2: Okay. I meant like, in what part of the world? Oh, are you?
6: oh I'm in uh, L.A. Okay. Uh, okay. Where I, I was born. My mom was, my mom was born here in 1904, and okay. uh, mm. but but we're not native. The Chumash Indians are the first peoples. Got to get that right. You better yeah, credit. Gotta you better right.
0: get it. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Uh, so listen, I want to say um, uh, I, I'm I'm really pleased to be doing this because you know Quest and I are in the same tribe, a tribe called Drummers. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> we are. You know, and <laughs> nice, I just nice wordplay there. I, yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, you're the leader of the roots and not a lot of drummers or leaders and 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 it makes me think of you and lionel hampton or or art blakey and the jazz messengers you know who i saw many times Mm -hmm. Uh, or chico hamilton who i stole the uh ride cymbal bell beat from you know Mm -hmm. so wait how did you pull that time out Uh,
4: please tell tell uh, our audience who chico hamilton is please because nobody ever talks about him
6: okay (laughs) well he was a wonderful jazz cat uh, in the early 60s, and I saw him as a teenager. I think Charles Lloyd was playing with him. And, uh, man, you know, I, I heard a real cool thing, and I later I put it in the end. You know, right. you steal mm-hmm. from the best, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Flattery.
6: <laughs> I was,
2: I was going to say, though, you're, you told me at Fallon that your your weapon of choice wasn't initially the drums. You started out, you said, as a piano player
6: yeah yeah that's in my new book. Uh, uh, my my mom is the first chapter because she encouraged me to play piano, and I just was crazy for music. and uh, I wanted to play any instrument. Um, and then I got into junior high, and there there was no piano in the band or the orchestra. And uh, I chose clarinet because I thought, you know, Benny Goodman's cool, whatever. Mm. And I had braces on my teeth, and they said, no, 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 you can't do that. You're trying to push them back, and, and they're going to come out with that whole instrument. So drums, yeah. So I owe my career to the dentist. You know. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh,
2: so you're saying that adults uh, encouraged you to play the drums? Because no- normally in my situation, adults, drums are always the last resort of every drummer that guitar. I know. Because their parents don't want them to make noise or anything.
6: I got you. Now, my parents were okay with it. But, Quest, did you have one of those black rubber pads, a drum pad? You of know, they bounce back, but they have no no sound. And uh, that's what you got to do when uh, you're too loud.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, even that, uh, I'll say, like, my first two years of taking drum lessons, you know, my teacher had, like, this this shiny... Ludwig drum set and also a practice pad next to that drum set yeah. and we would just walk to the practice pad and I would ask him like wait when when do I get to play those <laughs> yeah. and he's like you're not ready yet so like for mm. two years I had to play on that practice pad almost like it was like torture for you know to sit there in front of that drum set and not even touch it for the first two years
6: yeah but- no same deal with me uh, I was told if I took private lessons I'd I'd get better and so I did and I was sur- surrounded by uh, drum sets on the damn practice pad with the teacher so who was your who's your like who's your north star as as far
2: as drumming was concerned like you know because I mean you were the rock era the modern rock era so it wasn't like you have tales of seeing anyone that modern musician scene now so who was your north star as far as like like who would have been your beatles on sullivan moment as far as like
6: that's what i want to do for a living elvin jones wow great i I got my fake id in tijuana and went to (laughs) shelley's manhole which uh uh, the the doorman looked at and said this is fake but come
1: on in you know (laughs) and uh and i saw coltrane many (laughs) times Oh my, oh my God! God. I and wanted I, you to I, say that your fake ID said Elvin Jones on it.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was that like to see, like oh.
2: people that we take for granted? I, I don't yeah. think we've ever had a guest on the show that saw Coltrane. That, yeah, that seen like gods, and you knew they were gods then. So, what was that like for you to see?
6: All right. Well, you can read all about it in Yay. my new, new book. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the uh, second or third chapter is on Elvin so um you know i knew there was magic i mean i didn't know that i was seeing iconic that people were going to be just legendary you know but i sensed just i don't know there was fire and energy like i couldn't believe the conversation elvin would have with coltrane they'd just Mm -hmm. be you know he'd keep the groove but he'd be riffing off him all the time and you know it gave me a little courage now and then to riff off jim morrison you know fuck around with what, what he's saying and, you know, keep the groove, but you know, Elvin, he's my man. And so um, after Coltrane died, I saw Elvin. Well, let me back up. Mm-hmm. All right. So my my idols are are in the dressing room at, at the jazz club and, and the bathroom is right next to the jazz club uh, ne- uh, next to the, uh, uh, you know, my brain. It's one um, of the musicians hang out, the green, green room. room, green room. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the bathroom a lot, you know, (laughs) because they were right right around the corner, you know. Right. And um, and I I was afraid to say anything. But later, after Coltrane died, I uh, I introduced myself to Elvin, and uh, and then I had uh, I have three self centered memoirs, and the first one, Riders on the Storm. I gave to Elvin and I, I quickly said, hey, man, I wrote in here, you gave me my hands, you know, worried that he would be condescending this jazz giant. And he was so warm and friendly. And, and I saw him many more times. And I took his symbol bag to the car towards the end of his life. So we're talking a real uh, mentor, you know.
3: What was it about his playing? Uh, Because a a, a lot of homies I went to school with um, that were in the jazz department, they all like just swore about Elvin Jones. So if you could explain to kind of a lay person, um, what was it about his drumming technique that just made him so amazing?
6: I think they called it polyrhythms. You know, Mm. I mean, he'd have the pocket. You have to have the pocket, of course, but uh, he was continually playing triplets and all this shit all going on. All the time, like churning up a rhythmic egg beater, and and, and, and and it sounded like he was going to fall into his kit. He was, it was just, but he didn't, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I describe it. You know.
4: That's what's up. Yeah. Uh, can I ask a question? So, with with um, your clear love for for jazz, um, did you ever actually play jazz in a in a in a serious way?
6: Yeah. Um, a few years back, I had a group called Tribal Jazz, which was a, a jazz quartet or quintet with uh, two African drummers, which was really fun. Because, you know, I, I'm trying to in- integrate Senegalese rhythms into a drum kit, you know. So it, it, it rearranged some brain cells. That was good.
4: <laughs> and and what, what about back when you were younger? Did you play any jazz then?
6: Well, as a kid, like crazy, and then I stumbled into this uh, rock band. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, I say it worked out pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one's uh, ever heard of.
2: Well, let me let me uh, ask because, um, yeah, like was there music, musical snobbery uh, in the in the '60s to the level of where you know, like it was a big deal for like Leonard Cohen to say like. I actually like the Beatles, like that sort of thing. Like, oh, I see. Was it a, Was it a struggle back then to win respect? Like, did you care as much or just were you unaware? Uh,
6: back then, the whole country was polarized into for and against the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. kind of like today's kind of polarized, you know.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And uh, you know, rock and roll was uh, against the war. And um, sort of a liberal bent, and so you were either for that, or you know, I would say that country music kind of represented the other side. But the Still. last chapter I got in this book is on Willie Nelson, and uh, you know, I'm I'm looking for the soul in any genre. You know, I can get fed by uh, if you're if you're saying something truthful, and and it, and if it's in a simplistic form, it doesn't matter, man. In fact, mm-hmm. in my old age, I've learned that um, if if I put the right symbol crash in the exact right spot, it can be as powerful as uh, you know, in my twenties when I showed all my shit or when I had more mm-hmm. chops. <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
2: What was the what was the, the the modern music scene like in Los Angeles in the mid sixties before? Before you guys really got established, like was whiskey go-go a thing sort of before you guys came along or like what was, yeah, what was just the modern scene like?
6: Exactly. Now the whiskey was Mecca and uh, we were playing in a little club a block down from the whiskey. Uh, The night we were fired because there was a fight, which we did not cause, but they blamed it on the band. Uh, the, (laughs) the, The booker from the whiskey dropped in and saw us. And she hired us as the house band at the whiskey. And it was wow. heaven. I mean, uh, every night the streets were packed with hippies and music freaks and, and, and every band that came in. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Frank Zappa, Captain Beefheart, Van Morrison, et cetera, wow. et cetera. The birds, all of you know, they had to deal with the opening act. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't mean to, well, that sounds a little self-serving, but we were, we were different. We, you know, we were the undeclared uh, Vietnam War. We were not singing about peace and love. We were singing about, this is the end, beautiful friend. Man, uh, th- things are, there's a lot of lying going on. And so, you know, we play Light My Fire and everybody dance, and that was really cool. And right. then we play the end, and it got very quiet. <laughs> and, and, and then people had to follow that the, the other bands which i mean we were friends with them all but um, mm-hmm. it was a really cool scene well what were your th- what were your thoughts on like
2: the the post mod kind of movement of music like people that weren't that political more poppy like it, i guess it, i still want to know like were there different tribes or different cliques of did yeah, you guys mess together at all
6: you know the British invasion was kind of poppy, you know, but then um, then we all started experimenting with then legal psychedelics and uh, right. and the Beatles' music got a little darker, like ours. Yeah.
2: So did you uh, appreciate it at, at the time? Well, appreciate their contribution at the time. You know, it's it's from a from a person from my generation. Uh, we'll be cl- quick to lump like. Anyone that came from the mid to late 60s in the same bowl, you know, yeah, whereas no, yeah. I'm certain that three, four decades from now, you know, somebody will look at my band or Fante's band and, you know, just think like, oh, OK, well, you know, uh, Kanye West, outcasts. Yeah. Uh, you guys are all the same <laughs> right? You know, right. Where right. right. we've we've talked much shit about each other and that sort of thing so like you know yeah. were were you are right. your thoughts on your contemporaries at the time yeah. like yeah. the stones yeah yeah the beatles the who the kinks
6: uh, let me break it down you know in the beginning i i was a jazz snob but i was certainly aware of the roots of rock and roll chuck berry and little richard and all mm-hmm. and and elvis and whatever then I saw these four mop tops on Ed Sullivan, and mm. I thought, "Wow, man, what are they gay? What is this?" You know. <laughs> and uh, uh, then I noticed <laughs> just a random thing. I noticed their melodies. I thought, "Wow, you know, because melodies, man, are yeah. the key. I don't, I don't care if it's heavy metal or country. If you got a a beautiful melody with a with a cool lyric, they got to be wedded together." Wow, you got great songs. So I, you know, I knew the Beatles had great songs, and we we looked up to the Stones and uh, like that. Uh, Van well, were they of an older generation to you? Because
2: even in my world, like someone that came out four or five years ago, I'll see that as in hip hop terms, like someone that that made their debut in two thousand ten, even is kind of old even even though they're not old school they're considered old school so you know because of the of the years between you guys them them starting in 61 62 was it still the same fraternity or were they seen as older statesmen not older sure. statesmen but that's what i'm asking
6: and, no they were just a few years older so they weren't an, an entirely different genre you know uh, you know, and then as you go along, uh, can you keep making records that are important? And a yeah. lot of f- folks fall by the wayside, and uh, we managed to do okay, e- even though Jim, you know, he st- he started drinking so much that it it got quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I got a chapter in this new book on Jim and one on Janice, uh, two cautionary Janice Joplin. Mm-hmm. Two, yeah, Janice Joplin, two, yeah. Two cautionary tales, you know. Um, yeah. Self-destruction and creativity come in the same package with them, but but not with everybody.
3: Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fonte Volo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson, uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribbling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
0: All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
7: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos.
8: And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great.
7: Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list.
8: Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We're um, we're really good friends with uh, uh, Shep Gordon. Oh, yeah. Who told us a lot about the scene in L.A., especially at the hotel. Um, I forget the the hotel in Sunset where... Yeah. yeah. Oh, where they were fighting. Yeah, everyone yeah well yeah everyone just hung and whatnot like you (laughs) spoke of uh the group love and and all those things uh were you directly like a part of that scene like off stage were you guys sort of
6: not quite that scene i'm trying to think of the hotel too but 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 once you played the whiskey um mario the door guy let anybody in so we would all go see each other when we were not playing and so it was a fraternity you know and and we love for example man they were really like them a lot they were so different uh forever changes is a masterpiece that album
4: yeah forever <laughs> Change, forever changes is masterpiece uh, it's you know the that's from the summer of love too i mean there were there's just like there's a few um there's a few albums from from that that are just, yeah.
6: I want to get on the soapbox for a second. All right, you don't want to, Let's I, go. I get pissed off when people diss the '60s as a failure. Hmm.
2: Wait, uh, who disses the '60s that? as yeah, a failure? Oh, good. Okay. All <laughs> right. You know life based on <laughs> <laughs> everything from the '60s. I well, mean, man. there's no progress without the '60s. I never mind what I was going to say.
0: <laughs>
5: but- <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no I want to no, hear no. it. Okay. Let's, let's no, go. somebody but- out
0: there is, is feeling that way. So go ahead, talk to well, Yeah. Well
2: there there is the perception that like post 69 that there was not not diminished returns per se but everything was over and everything that that was fought for and built was sort of just washed away so well, well what, what were you uh, saying
6: yeah. well yeah the 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 seeds of civil rights uh, the peace movement feminism all, all were planted in the 60s right. and maybe these seeds take like uh, a uh, long time, 50, 100 years for full fruition. Mm-hmm. So don't dis, you know, we're on the shoulders of all of folks before. And so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, progress is not as fast as we wanted, you know, like, uh, gee, Obama got elected, so there's no more racism. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, um, and, and speaking of which, I was hoping, uh, sometime during this podcast, I could do a five-minute poem for uh, Stacy Abrams. Oh, because because I've been thinking about Jesus. All right, now I'm going to prove. i Never I'm, had that before. I'm I'm going to prove I'm the drummer, not the singer. I've been thinking about <laughs> Georgia, oh, Georgia, no peace of fun. You're on my mind. They're well, voting today. You Georgia's know? definitely yeah. on our
3: mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. So it's on everybody
2: mind.
6: I want
0: to Ho- do hopefully a little-
2: by the time this airs, we'll have the results that we want.
6: Yeah, there
0: you yeah. Go. But we're gonna get that poem too, because I want to get that that old to space. <laughs> yes,
3: yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious to know, man. Uh, do you have uh, to give us kind of a parallel, um, the band that the Doors, and kind of what you guys represented uh, when you guys came out. Who would you say is probably the closest con- modern-day contemporary? And by modern day, I mean, it could be anyone from the last, you know, 20 years, whatever, but uh, oh, that you man. think kind of embodies the spirit of mm. what you guys were about.
6: Mm. Oh, putting me on the spot here. I mean, Nirvana <laughs> See, would
4: be my guess. Really? The,
6: yeah. You know what's weird, though? I always thought the Doors were, Doors are really kind
7: of,
2: I feel like the Doors are, are hip-hop. As far as their rebellion yeah, is
7: concerned. Yeah.
6: Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. I, that's good. I okay. So. Let me let me tell you something. Way back, Jay Z asked for um, um um five to one. Five, five to, to one, one. Five to one. Yeah. You know, and I was just coming on board. I didn't know what was happening, and I went, "Wait a minute, you know what? what huh? It's all bitches and hoes. No, you can't have it." And he <laughs> he he writes me a letter, and he sends me a Team Rock jersey and and he, he breaks it down for me and he said man you know we're doing what you're doing fighting the establishment going for truth and and i and then i got it believe me i got it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, okay.
6: okay.
1: along those lines the doors is one of the only bands that i can think of that didn't have a bass player and while ray played bass in his left hand oh, is one of the yeah. few bands that didn't have like a legit bass player can you talk yeah. about what that was like because yeah it's not a thing it's not a normal.
6: Uh, thing. A, a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, usually the bass player and the drummer are the rhythm section, you know, exactly. holding holding down the groove in the basement. And it was me and Ray's left hand. And uh, wow! But 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 he 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 played simplified sort of boogie woogie bass lines with his left hand, which w- turned out to be gold. Like don't 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 don't. It just hooky stuff. And so fortunately, we felt the same pocket. Actually, the first tune we played together ever was All Blues by Miles Davis. By Miles Davis, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is in three, you know. And then I knew Ray knew knew some shit. So uh, (laughs) then we played the blues, and, and we were sort of laying back on the groove, as you do with the blues. And then we started writing our own stuff, and then we kind of found our pocket.
3: But so were were you and Ray the kind of the begin the start of the Doors? Were you the primary songwriters, or how did how did that work? Uh,
6: well, Jim had all these words and melodies and couldn't okay. play one chord on any instrument. Mm-hmm. We're talking gifted here. Mm. So mm. he would sing a cappella and and you know, uh, Roadhouse Blues, which we played with what I played with you guys. You know, is uh, blues that's not too difficult. But he, he would sing these complicated. Before you slip into unconsciousness, I'd like to have another kiss. Like, wait a minute, F sharp. What the hell? You know, he just had this shit in his head. So, uh, wow. You know. So, what were those songwriting
2: sessions like? Like, he would just would it start with him and his words first, and you guys figure out yep. where he's going with it? Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. We figure out the groove, then we'd stop and change chords or say, oh, man, uh, we need a bridge or or a solo here or whatever. So that's why he said, hey, let's credit all the songs written by the Doors, not lyrics by me, you know. Wow. And and let's split all the dough. Really? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Whoa.
0: Can I ask a question? Because you you talked about this and you touched on it, but I got to know, you said you were kind of like in your own snobby sense when you were an early musician and somehow – you met him and he convinced you to go to this route. Cause it sounds like you weren't even trying to go this rock and roll route. Like you had this, this jazz mind. So what was that moment that he
6: convinced you? You know, I was passionate for music, but I never thought I'd make a living at it. Mm. You know what I mean? What did you think and, you were going the club? <laughs> you know how, it, and then when the, when the doors got going, I thought, Oh God, man, you know, if we can pay the rent for, for a decade, wouldn't that be a miracle? Mm-hmm. Well, let's yeah. see. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm 76 and it's uh, wow.
1: 50 <laughs> years
6: later, I'm still talking about this damn band. But you know,
5: so
0: was it a conversation that you had that that convinced you that I'm gonna ride this ride because I know that this is going somewhere, or was it something that he sang or something? Yeah, yeah, good,
6: good, good, good. All right, so after we play all blues, and I'm noticing this guy in the corner, and Ray says, "Jim, this Jim, the singer, he's never sung before," and he. Can't play any instrument, but look at these lyrics. And he, hand, <laughs> he hands me a crumpled piece of paper and on the paper, it says day destroys the night, night divides the day, tried to run, tried to hide, break on through to the other side. The other side. Whoa. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, right, right away. <laughs> right. Rhythmic stuff starts. That's that pulled me in immediately, you know?
1: So
2: was I always wanted to know, was that, Song somewhat in, influenced from uh Ray Charles's What I Say.
6: Oh, wow, I, I, it's funny, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're past the Statue of Liberty. Oh, that's good. No, I <laughs> you know, I, I used to play that. Uh, I what did I say only I couldn't do it with one hand, I had to have both hands on the bell of the ride cymbal, right? Uh, didn't have the chops yet, anyway. Um, what was going on was bossa nova was coming up from brazil big ah, time yeah. big time and so this little uh and i'm digging the groove it's real light da, 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 da. okay i'm gonna make it stiffer and harder and faster and so i copped the whole thing and made it rock and roll but break on through is kind of a rock and uh yeah, bossa rock. nova rock or whatever yeah.
1: bossa rock
4: can i um ask a question um getting back to what what bill asked you about uh playing with with ray manzarek and him playing the bass with his left hand um uh so that's 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 the main that's the door's sound basically but on later albums you did use uh actual electric bass players on on certain on certain things. Really so,
6: really good question. Oh, on the first th- records, yeah. Yeah, I yeah.
4: just I mean my question is actually um you know what as the drummer from the drummer's perspective, what's the difference uh, being you know part half the rhythm section with somebody who's playing it on the organ and somebody who's yeah. playing it with a yeah. guitar. Yeah.
6: Well first of all, um when we played live when Ray would take a solo on organ, he'd get excited, and the bass player would speed up. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no more frustrating than
2: yeah, that, that happening.
6: <laughs> I got pull to the, pull the reins back. Okay, so this was before Moog synthesizers were even invented. So we knew that uh, the, the keyboard bass he had, a Fender Rhodes keyboard bass, kind of was mushy. Yeah. And, it, and it needed a little more punch. And so even on the first record, we had uh, Larry Nectal's studio bass player overdub oh, wow. on Fender electric bass uh, raise exact bass lines to give it, the pluck of the string gave it the punch we needed, you know. And then uh, later, we did have bass players, and you know, God, uh, Harvey Brooks was on um, Soft Parade, great bass player, played with Dylan and the uh electric flag and so that was a lot of fun for me you know uh El- elvis's bass player played on la woman jerry chef and that wow. was cool he even really? said that he put a little line from uh uh let's see la woman he stuck a little bit of it in an elvis recording session so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: really so we can just finish up this thought that playing playing with ray versus playing with harvey brooks Um, you know, from a rhythm section.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could almost play one handed because when there's a separate bass player plucking and concentrating on the groove, Oh, you know, he's help. He's your brother helping. It's, it's easier, you know,
4: Okay.
6: and you play off each other and whatever. And Ray was playing sort of simplistic lines, but it kind of gave space. There was more, air and openness in the sound which was quite cool and unique you know we auditioned bass players way back uh we even had a girl for a minute there but we felt like "Eh, we sound like uh, another white blues band the rolling stones or something and and then we discovered this keyboard bass and went oh man yeah and and the the guy who made all the LSD in San Francisco, I can't think of his name. <laughs> you can't think of his name. Of course you can. Well, I, I, I can't. What, what was all your name? It. Yeah. All of it. He, he, we We're playing one of the psychedelic ballrooms. He comes back, Owsley. That's his name, Owsley. He comes backstage and says, hey, man, you guys, uh, you're, you're great. Uh, you got a hole in your sound, though. You need a bass player. He leaves. And I turned to Ray, and I said, wow, we're making the Acid King nervous. I think we're on the right track here. <laughs> I have a question
2: of, I can't think of another, besides besides the look of love, I believe <laughs> that Light My Fire. Light My, the most covered song is ever. <laughs> probably, no, 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 even more than that. I feel like Light My Fire is probably the only song in which you cannot drop the ball <laughs> as far as covering is concerned yeah. and billions of people have covered it. Do you have a a preference of, of, of the many covers that. Yeah. Good. Of yeah. the, of that song.
6: First of all, Quest, thanks for putting, Ah, uh, light my fire in the same category as uh, the look of love. Who who I'm sang? I'm just saying, I never found a bad. <laughs> <cover> <laughs> nah, that's of light a classic, fire, man. Who sang? Never, co- never found a bad cover of light my
2: fire. Never found a bad cover of uh, look of love. Like it's kinda, impossible to drop the ball on that song.
6: Who sang look of love? Um, uh
2: the original was
3: God. Who was the original? Oh, well. so was many. Deion Warwick. <laughs> Yeah, it's
6: probably or, or it. no, it's bird back, rag- back yeah, it was uh, Ragnar- yeah. yeah, Right, 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 right. Okay, so um what what's cool is somebody covers your song and finds a new way to interpret it. That's really cool. I mean, it's cool to get any song covered, even if they copy your arrangement, because you get the writer's share. But <laughs> but facts. But Yep. Jose Feliciano takes oh, Light My Fire, yeah. and he makes, it, he makes it a ballad. Yeah. And we all went, "Wow, oh, that is beautiful.
3: What did you, know you think I? of Al Green's version, man? I think that's probably my favorite one.
6: <laughs> I, I, I bet I can't. I didn't hear it. Give it to me. That, really? He did it? What? <laughs> you never heard Al Green's version of Light My Fire? <laughs> Jesus can we, Christ. Can we play it <laughs> Oh, please? my God. Our, Yo, oh, wait a minute. Wait. This, is, Our, this is fair
3: use. This is fair use. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Fair use. We talk about okay. it. Journalistic.
2: Just, yeah, this <laughs> is even the spoken part is the Come on, right, man. right, right. There's is, a uh, have you
3: his version and have you uh uh John have you ever heard uh the free design? Have you ever heard their version of it? Jesus Christ? Oh. yeah,
2: free design. Ooh, they body they that they, shit. they, they huh. just they, it's they like the mamas a, and the papas on
3: LSD, yeah, they take
2: <laughs> chromatic like yep. ninth harmony chords to another place. I I'll say the free design is probably my go-to version, even though I love the Al's version. Actually, it's funny you mentioned Jose. Jose actually doubles down because even on Minnie Ripperton's version, uh oh. Jose shows up and, and uh. does his riffing at the end. Yeah,
6: yeah, Light my fire, light my fire, light, light my fire. fire. Light my fire. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Minnie Ripperton. Wow. So, okay. I
2: I gotta know this because the one thing that I know that you're big on, which you know, it's 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 weird because even though with the rebellion of of the first wave of modern rock, not modern rock, but you know the the the, the '60s rock cats and hip hop cats, is this rebellious spirit to the system, but somehow. I will say that, in the, in hip hop terms, our relationship with capitalism slightly differs from the the '60s rock generation. How in so? That yeah, good. You know, licensing songs and commercial uses. You know, rappers are about that all day. I made a commercial. Whereas, you know, I often hear. 60s generation, sort of like I'm not selling out and da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're world famous for <laughs> your thumbs down on it licensing turned out a lot of and- paper man, <laughs> <laughs> which you yeah. know that,
6: I'm like that must be nice, but uh, <laughs> I I see the it from all sides. I mean, you know, Tavis Smiley said to me, "You're you're you're either really great or you're crazy." You know about that, but. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, what can I say? It, if you're trying to pay the rent and you you get, do it commercial pay, you do it, man. It's hard enough out there. Um, what happened was that we got this offer. Come on, Buick, light my fire. (laughs) Oh no. That ain't uh, no, (laughs) no, no.
1: Yeah. And see, See, that's not in the article. If if that's not on the Google, like if the Google said that it'd be a very different thing. That's everyone would
6: understand why you told them to fuck
1: off. Yeah. So um,
6: uh, Jim was out of town. It was a lot of dough and we were kind of drooling (laughs) and he came back and he said, yeah, let's do it. And I got a really good idea for a a TV ad. I'll smash a Buick on television with a sledgehammer.
8: (laughs) That's a great idea. Okay,
6: and that's on fire. (laughs) uh, That's a no. And so, all right. uh, Jim wrote one line in "Light My Fire." Robbie Krieger wrote uh, all the lyrics, and Jim added, uh, "Our love become a funeral pyre." Funeral pyre, Morrison-esque. And so, this guy is so upset about a song he didn't write. I'm like, wow. He cares about the whole catalog, everything we're doing. And, you know, I'm a little hard ass, but uh, he's passed. He's my ancestor. So I, I'm trying to stick to what he wanted. But I, I mean, you know, I get, hey, you know, I get hip hoppers doing, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just uh, we're, we're different. And it was back a ways. And I don't know.
4: Set In a modern context if they might offer you a lot more money now for something than you were offered for the Buick ad and it yeah. and it would be kind of a no brainer to take the money. I mean, just, and also too, to be it, fair, uh, I
3: think now it may be, I think now you have people in position who understand kind of the spirit of what you guys were about and would do it in a very tasteful way, as opposed to a cheesy way, like, you know, light my but whatever the hell. You know, I think mean, people yeah. now. You know what I'm saying? Actually, uh, I,
2: I would like to see someone set a beauty
6: on fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, break on food or a new deodorant. No, yeah, right. I think break on. Through.
2: But the get, thing I, is, is that I, I, I think the common denominator for the average creator. Is avoiding erasure and yeah, yes. The music of the doors, I feel, is you know the, the, at least the, the 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 ripple effect and the resonance of it all. I have no doubt that the songs, you know, as I I'd, Riders of the Storm still sound every time I play it. People, you know, oh my thanks. god, what is that? Like it's brand new or something. Yeah, thanks. So, you know it's it's timeless but does it ever do you ever have thoughts that you know one day because you know i i will say that when songs are placed in and this is me as a dj speaking when songs are placed in a movie or placed uh uh, on a television show or in a commercial it it just extends the life of it just a little bit more so i'm I'm one of those guys, and again, as a DJ who mainly uses his DJ sets to educate people on stuff, it kind of makes my job easier, even though yeah. I have to re, you know, correct them. Like, no, this isn't just the song that you heard in the blah, blah, blah movie. Like, right. this is where it comes from. But do you ever have thoughts of, like, if you clutch too tight to the pearls, that there's a possibility of erasure? I know the Beastie Boys are going through that right now. Like They just uh, recently kind of loosened the, 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 the reins a little bit to allow one of their songs to get licensed uh, for a commercial, yeah, yeah. even though they took this hard stance like, we will never, ever do that. Right, L- right, right. Like integrity.
6: Mm. And, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, I mean, you know, Bob Dylan's certainly making me nervous. Mm. Uh, man, man, yeah, <laughs> that, he that,
2: sold all his shit. I was about to say, he's been that, doing it for a while, right? Like, yeah, but yeah, you can't yeah. take it with him, so you might as well just, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
6: like, okay, so first of all, I don't, uh, we okay, uh, movies, TV shows, it's just a, a specific product selling, which okay. makes me twitch a little. Okay. I mean, like, um, and also, we we are pretty established. And there's a lot of people who say to us, oh, man, you know, I was in Vietnam. You guys helped me. Uh, uh, first time I made love, the first time I had a joint, whatever. And <laughs> so it's sort of like the soundtrack to people's lives. And so I kind of, well, Vietnam, for example. Uh, recently, Robbie told me, I didn't know this, that the lyric Love Me Two Times, he wrote He goes, love me two times because I'm going away. He he was thinking going away to Vietnam, but that's not in the Uh, lyric. And so how about love me two times because I just took Viagra? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) 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 It's
7: true. Some, some, Some
4: commercials have seriously ruined certain songs forever you know, where they're known more for the commercial than from the original album or from yeah, I was say, or hot
2: chocolates. That. Uh, you sexy thing is definitely ruined. Uh, Viagra. Yes.
6: Yeah. Ow. But I, you're, you're right. I, I'm, you know, um, I'm going to be erased. I don't know. In the next 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. My, anyway. So I got to think about this.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, stick to your guns. i vote stick to your guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah Stick yeah, to your guns.
3: Yeah, yeah. How, um, I want. I was going to know how accurate or what were your thoughts on Oliver Stone's uh, film, The Doors.
6: Yeah, yes. He was in it. Yeah, no, no. I, I, yeah, I was in it for a second there. No, I, I liked it. I'll now, um, it, it was, it was primarily about a tortured artist, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and Oliver, you know, <laughs> kind of fits that category. Brilliant and kind of <laughs> uh, out there. And uh, I wished it had been a little more about the 60s and, and, and the climate of the times. Mm. There was a, a documentary called When You're Strange that Johnny Depp narrated. And really? that, has, that has more of, of that. And I think the two of them together really represent uh, our whole career. But I got to say, Val Kilmer, man. He gave me the creeps. I thought Jim was back.
0: Yo. Really? He, mm-hmm. Yes, he looked just yeah. like him. He sounded just like it was. I mean, I didn't know him like you did, but it gave me the creeps watching him play that role.
6: <laughs> These <laughs>
1: actors are amazing, the way they transform their bodies and everything.
6: Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. I got a question. Can we uh can we talk about like drummers from your era and and the the, the African influence, the ginger bakers and the Yeah, yeah. arts? Yeah. And like sure. dudes like that. I feel like like I got that bug when I was a kid, but I was I'm not the same thing, but like was it the same was it my experience was it's like everything sort of began there, so it made sense to figure out that shit and how to bring it into your own thing. like what was why did you get into it? and how did you uh, apply it to the doors or whatever else you're doing?
6: Well, the African stuff I primarily got into later, right. but but I will say that um, we were recording um, hello, I love you. And we we're struggling with the arrangement. <clears throat> and Robbie, the guitar player, said, Why don't you turn the beat around like ginger does in uh, sunshine of your love? You know, yeah. And I so, so I go, okay. Uh-uh, uh-uh-uh-uh uh 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 hello, I love you. Uh uh so I copped a couple bars of ginger
1: and here we are, Bossa Juba <laughs> Copping and Ginger Copping. And here we are all
2: day. Hey. I was I was gonna ask, the the recording of that particular song has such a distinctive, like modern made for FM radio sort of yeah. recording technique to it. Were you guys aware of that as far as like cause there's a clear difference sonically between the recording uh, I mean, that particular album and what came before it. So were you guys aware of the sort of transforming of AM radio, AM radio being the, I guess the destination point of most music and then slowly morphing into FM radio at the time. Yeah. Because there's just just such a clarity to it that sounds super modern. Like even if you listen to it now with, with the, the synth work and, even the way that your drums are are tuned on that song, like a deeper a deeper sound.
6: Yeah, you're right about that. Um, it, it
2: could have like it, it's almost like the you, you hear the seeds of what Talking Heads, like yeah. D- Devo's second record, even Gary Newman's like first record. Wow, you hear the seeds of that in there.
6: Well, you know, um, our first single was Break On Through, and it was mm-hmm. too sophisticated. Uh, you know, it got to number 13 or something that was due to us calling up the station saying, Hey, this is Fred Schwartz. Will you play this? And, uh, <laughs> wait, but, break one through. was not a top 10 hit. No, but later it became just, you know, everybody just is crazy for it. So, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Light my fire was six minutes. You know, we had mm-hmm. that long jam and then, um, we, 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 cut it to three minutes and then it became a hit but then fm radio started bragging about playing the long version which was really cool
5: mm-hmm.
6: so you know we had some hits i guess uh, people are strange i think was the next hit and then in the studio we were struggling and paul rothschild our producer pressed us on hello i love you he said man we got to make this a hit and and fuzz tones that just came in on guitar you know mm-hmm. fuzz boxes and uh, 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 uh. We, we just worked on that and worked on it. <laughs> and frankly, I thought it turned out a little too poppy for me, but that's just for me personally, but I always was just absolutely crazy for Jim's lyrics. Oh, my God.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh. And what about uh, Bruce Botnick, the engineer? What was his special sauce? He did all your albums.
6: Yeah, he did all of them. And he he worked at sunset sound and uh, all the great studios as a teenager with the Supremes and Phil Spector. And he yeah. knew, he knew what he was doing. And, and each time, you know, CDs, streaming, whatever it is, he, he, uh, keeps us up to date sonically, you know, he's on it. Yeah. And he's the fifth door, you know,
5: hmm.
9: I see.
0: All right, y'all. I mean, my whole house? uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
7: Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list.
9: Aspects the gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeart Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's go.
2: Um, there's, you know, a, a lot has been made. Most will say that. Of course, you know, when you when you think of uh, historic uh concerts and events, everyone of course makes a, a big deal of of Woodstock. However, um I feel like enough has not been made of enough uh, the Isle of Wight I think right Isle of White uh festival that you guys did in, in nineteen seventy do you have any particular memories of that? You know, because the, the, the lineup was, yeah, yeah. to me just as crazy. Uh, that, that year, uh, it was Hendrix, uh, Joni Mitchell, the who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Moody blues, uh, Sly and the family stone 10 years after. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago. Usually, you know, I, I know that for a lot of artists, this for a lot of fans, this is always a disappointing question because, you know, the, the, festivals are a spectator uh thing and usually artists are just getting in doing the gig leaving really not soaking in the atmosphere were you able to really soak in the festival at the time or was it just like you showed up and did your thing and left
6: yeah i i took a hit off of roger daltrey's peppermint schnapps bottle you know, <laughs> know As what was you in do. that bottle
3: <laughs> I
1: didn't uh, know they made
3: peppermint schnapps I only had peach schnapps <laughs> Oh yeah.
1: Peppermint
6: was the first, I think. Um shit. yeah, the Isle of White, um we were under a lot of stress because Jim was on trial in Miami for supposedly exposing himself, which he did oh, not wow. do, but he oh. was, but he was drunk and he got real political and said, You're letting him shove your faces in the shit of the world, wake up and that didn't go over well uh, so uh,
0: <laughs>
6: i don't know how you they translated you it
0: yourself that's crazy how they translated that into that well
6: wow. it, i got the climate at the time was this polarized country and and we were you know uh, the hippies and we were the dirty doors and so uh, uh jim was uh, targeted there was a rally for decency at the Orange Bowl. 30,000 people showed up. Nixon sent a letter, and Anita Bryant presided, and and it was because of us, you know.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, right.
6: Yeah. Uh, well, back to the Isle of Wight. The Isle of White. so so Jim was kind of subdued in his performance. Uh, I was trying to make up for it, playing really strong. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's pretty good, but the, the whole festival – had the feeling of the end of the the era, the end of Woodstock. Uh, There was some dispute about the the ticket prices and and they busted down the fences and people came in, which, you know, was all right. It was just kind of a chaotic festival, had incredible lineup, like you said, but it kind of didn't get the attention because it was sort of the, the, the crumbling of the outdoor hippie festivals being the ultimate, you know. And just for clarification
0: for nobody people who don't know the the concert and the the venue this is a an island right close to London where they exclusively have this big festival they've been doing this for like the last 40 50 years right
6: Yeah correct right. yeah Yeah yeah
4: are, are you more of a touring person or a studio studio uh, person
6: Either one either one I mean at first I was frustrated I didn't understand it's kind of cool to muffle the drum heads in the studio you know i thought you just play live and make a record and uh, you know <laughs> right <laughs> and so it was a learning curve but i
2: i like both what were, what was your weapon of choice uh in in the early part of your career what what drums were you using
6: oh my first set was gretsch and then i i ludwig i went crazy for ludwig and uh ludwig silver snare drum and uh, uh yeah yep. I always kept kept a little kit. I, I I had rivets in my cymbal. I saw Oscar Peterson's drummer Ed Thigpen. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of rivets, and I went, "Oh man, I'm, that's good." You can hear that on Riders. There's kind of a rivet sound in the rides. Yeah, scene.
1: it rings yeah. forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have you kept
2: uh, a majority of your drum sets, or like the sort of iconic sets Love that you used them. through your career? Yeah, I'll, I'll be taking them over. Thank you.
6: Some, not enough. Damn it! Like like <laughs> like the floor tom. Uh, it's the floor tom that's barking back in the hello, I love you. But a bow, boom, boom, bow. Yeah, bom, 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 bom. yeah. I, I like it when the heads are tired and rancid, and then when they break, I have to get a new one, and I hate it it's because I like the personality of it talking back. You know.
2: Hmm. I see. You you still have that tom tom? No. Oh, okay. That's what I was asking.
5: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> Yo,
2: I was about to ask you to send it to you. Yeah,
1: saying, exactly. My address is... <laughs> to go in the snare collection. You have a tom collection, too. Yeah, I'm
0: just saying. Is this a dumb drummer question? Y'all can tell me if not. If it is or not. But um, my father's a drummer. He always used to say that he likes... He prefers playing with brushes. Is that a thing where you have a certain kind of stick that you prefer, like mallet versus just regular stick versus brushes versus whatever else is around these days? Because I haven't been checking the, the latest. That's not magazine. a dumb question. Laya.
2: Okay. No, okay.
6: that's okay. a real good question. Okay. Um, you rock want, bands you, don't play with brushes. <laughs> that is,
2: um,
6: <laughs> that's a true statement.
0: But he's a snob. You know
6: what's? You know what's? <laughs> you know what's weird,
2: Lia. What? Um, so when I was working on, uh, Welcome to Detroit, um up in uh uh, in studio a where where dilla was he only played with mallets and at the time i thought all right that's dumb like not that's dumb because by then anything he did i declared like who's this oh i'm sorry it's it's my 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 elvin jones is a a, a producer (laughs) from detroit his name is uh jay dilla oh yeah
6: yeah sure he knows John knows well, I no. just can't. I just can't hear
2: at my age, you know. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Jay Dill is a. Um, actually, to bring it back to five to one, the. Okay, I won't say that. I, I, was gonna say <laughs> yeah, the, I know. Or, yeah, I know you're going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the original producer of that was Jay Dill, um, but he would. I'd ask him like, "Why are you using uh, mallets instead of traditional traditional drumsticks?" And he just wanted a, a a different texture than yeah. that of what sure when sticks hit the skins yeah so i think at the time i I scoffed like yeah that's whatever and then i caught myself doing it a lot so i, I actually like the texture of it
6: i'm curious what what size sticks do you use um now we're getting I'm into a, it i'm Dang. a that's i'm a shit. here it is i'm a
2: 7 eight guy
6: oh yeah
2: however however um, my sticks are a little bit unusual because um, I learned through well Steve Steve is like one of my longtime uh, music engineers so I had to, I learned about 20 years ago that the softer at least for for my purposes the softer that you play um, the better the mixing options are because I use a lot of old ribbon mics. So I used to like power play like in my mind you think like uh, take like like Bonzo like John Bonham from Zeppelin yeah. like you know everyone thinks that they have to play like animal from the Muppets mm-hmm. right. uh and you know and that really destroys the sound because the compression and the microphones like it just it just crunches yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not good so th- I learned the softer you play, the better it is so I when I got my deal with Vic Firth, I told them to make me. 7a drumsticks but i made mine two inches longer oh so that way i could put my wrist on my legs and not move my hands at all
6: what
2: like a traditional 7a you'd have to like you know most non-drummers look at uh
4: you may uh, not what, move your arms at all right
2: yeah, not, what did you, I say? Your hands, you said, you said hands, but but... move magic. your arms. Yes, yes. Like most, most, most non-drummers would look at uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, Dave Grohl. Uh, Dave Grohl. Yeah, they'll look at Dave Grohl and like smells like Teen Spirit and think like that's how I should be drumming, like uh, like Modern Animal. And for me, I I get the best the results when I when I do the least. Yeah, just. You beautiful. Know, the quietest. So, yeah. I, now that, I made seven, eight drumsticks, yeah. two inches longer, so that I don't have to move my arms at all. Wow. So,
6: that's what I was saying about uh, playing the right beat in the right spot as much power as all that animal shit. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, what's so beautiful about your playing is the way you sit. You know, you don't slump over the kit and you mm-hmm. seem relaxed. You know, it's just beautiful. A little too but, relaxed. Sometimes well, Jimmy complains. Whatever.
0: John, you didn't answer that question for yourself, but that's all right. Yes.
6: No, It's 7A. 7A. Oh, okay. They're thin. They're thin sticks, so I can uh, play faster. But they break all the time if you're playing a big concert, you know. But, so, you know, you just throw them in the audience and grab some more, you know. Oh.
0: But, Speaking but,
6: of
2: throw them in the audience.
0: You think that's rock um, and roll, but it's just trash.
2: Yeah. speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of, yeah speaking of throwing them in the audience um would it dismay you to watch keith moon destroy a kit occasionally like is that blasphemous to you
6: it was over the top i understood the anger because you know we were pissed off about the establishment and everything that's going on i get it uh he was bizarre he 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 was the most unusual drummer I've ever seen. I, I watched him on stage right at the Isle of Wight. Stood next to him, you know. He the w- the way he hits the sticks, he's like he's conducting or something. I don't know what it is.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: But uh, speaking of brushes, uh, hey. this is way. what this is what I'm going to accompany myself with on that, uh, poem, on that poem for listen, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't uh, forget
0: uh, either, John. Wow. I didn't. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
6: What I would
4: want to ask you is not not which Doors album is your favorite or not which one you think is the best, but which one do you think you're playing the best on? Oh, that's a good question.
6: All of them. About, see, that's why you got to start with uh, guns to your head. No, because, you know, the, the, the first Doors, the, the,
4: the, I'm, I'm just trying to make a point. I think uh, like the first Doors album was recorded in, in just a, a few days or a couple weeks or something like that. And other albums later down the line probably yeah, took yeah. took longer and and yeah yeah but you may think that you're playing yeah. on like my fire is your is your absolute uh, pinnacle or something like no that. I don't
6: know a good question all Thank right you. so uh, first album we're trying to learn how to make records you know and we only did a few takes but it you know it, it's it. Second album, we're getting more relaxed in the studio, like using the studio as, a, as another door and, and fooling around with mm. backward tracks and shit and having fun experimenting. But then, you know, we have to make our own Sgt. Pepper. So uh, we get to Soft Parade and do, put strings. I
2: was going to say Soft Parade. Yeah, yeah. Record.
6: Strings and horns and all this shit. That was fun. And uh, people got angry with us changing our sound. Uh, but touch me was number one, <clears throat>
2: yeah, um, hey, it was. Then, <laughs> yeah. It was <is. laughs> then, uh,
6: Morrison Hotel, and, and then finally, LA Woman. We get back to the garage and the blues, and and LA Woman is uh, oh, I, I like it a lot. It's just yeah. a few takes. I said to Ray, you know, uh, Miles live at Carnegie Hall, there was a terrible trumpet note at the beginning of so what and the engineer Mm -hmm. said to miles i i I can fix that and he said no it feels good see there it is (laughs) that's the that's the key to la woman it's the first punk album we're gonna fuck the mistakes we're gonna go for it in a few takes put as much passion as we can
4: so see there you go it's like a jazz album i mean that's how a jazz album is recorded
6: i I was well you
2: kind of pre-answered i was going to say that um with with the soft parade, was was there a pressure to suddenly deliver like the highest art? I mean, based on the 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 kind of atmosphere that brought upon like Pet Sounds and yeah. Sgt. Peppers and even with uh their satanic majesty's request and all that <laughs> stuff. And, right. Well, I know people laugh at that, but I I, I feel like one day some generation is really going to no. hold Satan. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. No, I'm telling you. Thanks for playing, though.
1: No, I, I, I,
2: I I believe I believe that there's going to be a generation. Look, I'm a guy who love. Uh, I know critics hated blacks, uh, black and blues by the Stones, and that's one of my favorite records. So uh, I feel like somebody's gonna find the wrong record and make it their record. But what, what what I was asking was, with the Salt Parade, was that the intent to show that we're just as artistic and just as experimental as our contemporaries?
6: Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. The, the, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> No, actually for the win. (laughs) No, it it it, we, Ray and I had talked about uh, before recording the first album. Man, someday if we could ever have some like horn solos, tenor sax, and you know that'd be cool, some jazz Mm -hmm. stuff. And so we finally got to that by Soft Parade. Actually, uh, I think Sergeant Pepper and Pet Sounds, they were out kind of around strange days our second album and that's when we were like wow man we we, this is a challenge you know but but a turn on too you know
4: the thing about the doors though is like i never i never think about them in comparison to other bands because they have this exactly their own world you know they created they're one of these few bands or artists that can create their own sonic universe and you it's like pointless to compare them to to other bands almost
6: well keep keep talking i feel helium rising in my <laughs> in my skull no, it wasn't
4: a compliment i'm saying you're weird <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh you guys are amazing
4: <laughs> you know we try
1: thank you thank, yes we are
2: i i do have to ask for our listeners and for myself as well like what was, how long did it take you guys to come to grips after, after Morrison's death on whether or not you should continue or not continue and the creative direction? Yeah. First of all, I mean, is, is the idea of a group really kind of an illusion that's not real? Like, is it really everyone gets their equal say. And if one doesn't agree and it's not unanimous that we don't do it.
6: Well, that's how we were, but, um,
2: okay. So you know, ev- the, absolutely everyone, a lot,
6: a lot of groups have, uh, singer songwriters, uh, Lennon McCartney, uh, mm-hmm. Keith Richards and Mick. And, and they're kind of the dominant force. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jim not being able to, you know, how do we write songs? But I got all these words and melodies we were really more equal because of that you
2: know y'all were his translators almost
6: yeah beautiful that's it
2: yeah so yeah the the the, as far as the meeting with you guys in what direction to to take his work well yeah i mean can you just talk about that period of of the decision to continue on
6: Oh, yeah, that's good, man. You don't let me off the hook. All right. (laughs) No, 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 it's good. Okay, so Jim dies, and we're working on stuff, and uh, we first entertained replacing him, Mm -hmm. and I said, uh, excuse me, who's going to fill Jim's leather pants? Mm -hmm. You know I mean? (laughs) That's a a tall order. Uh, So... uh, then Ray and Robbie uh, tried to sing. We made two albums because we had this material and and we were tight. Uh, and after those couple albums, we realized, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. Our focal point is gone, and let's do you know we wanted to do individual stuff, and so it naturally kind of fell away. We we went our own ways. We came back later and we did a po- poetry album, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. American Prayer, way out there. Jim's words, you know, he had died and, and we wrote all this music and that was fun.
0: Mm, I wonder if you think that Queen pulled it off. Since they I'm trying, I was trying to think of another band who actually has done that with their lead singer who's passed. And Your I'm Queen, like
6: Adam Lambert. Yeah. Uh pretty close. I don't know. Uh yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: for nostalgia's sake. I mean, you know, Lambert is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Also big leather pants to fill. Yes, huge. <laughs> Different you kind know, of leather.
6: You know, like um, my second book was called "The Doors Unhinged." It was about uh, my struggle with uh, Ray and Robbie playing, and I love their playing, but they were going out as the Doors. And right. Well, like, wait. wait, wait. Uh, you know, Ian Asbury from the Cult is fine, but but it's like. The police without sting. the, yeah. the hey, well, yeah. Come on, Could call it, call it. Founding members of the Doors <laughs> or whatever, you know. But
0: Earth, Wind, and Fire yeah. without Maurice.
6: Well, that's how it is right <laughs> now. I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, I understand yeah. people want to hear the hear them play, like yeah. and hear Queen and Earth, Wind, and Fire. I get it. You know, I get. You know.
2: Yeah. So now, um well, before I wrap, I I do want to know where we where we are today does it does it irk you a little bit that somehow not only did we wind back at square one we're kind of way pre like damn near neanderthal times uh Mm. that we took 48 steps backwards like just as just as a person who had ideas in the 60s to you know to fight against the uh, corrupt system and and push us forward just to see us come back to the place where we now have to struggle all over again like it was the 60s like does that dismay you like was it like was your work for naught
6: oh where's man
4: love you promised us bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: you said,
6: where's the peace and
4: love you <laughs>
6: <laughs> see there it is oh my god big questions you know i mean um uh this country was founded on racism um that part say that and so you know i got a piece in rolling stone asking obama to pardon leonard peltier native american who's been in jail friggin 50 Mm -hmm. years you know there was a shootout an fbi guy died and nobody knows who did it but they had to nail somebody and whatever so in that article i also said oh god you know it wouldn't be a bad thing if if you, you, we could apologize to the first people's the genocide and then we can move on and there's a that's how you go forward admit shit, you know Shoot,
0: they'd be there um, a long time admitting and
5: apologizing. That doesn't oh. work. That. <laughs> i know
6: <laughs> but i guess i'm a, an eternal optimist uh i, I mean Ah, we got Agent Orange out or any minute now, right? Mm, Yes, we are all counting down. (laughs) It's, it's, he's out. It's according to this recording, he's out.
3: Yes, now we're just waiting to see what Georgia's doing. That's we're just waiting on Georgia now.
6: And you know, between you and me and, and, and your zillions of listeners, you know, Biden is a. He's like me. He's another old white guy. But uh,
0: <laughs> but, but we wish he like you though. We hope that he's like you.
6: Well, oh hey hey, you know what? Okay, here it is. Mm-hmm. Hillary loses, and I go, God damn it! I, I'm going to see a woman president before I die. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm up there, and now I'm like. Whoa! Wait a minute. Hey, now. I, I, I might hey. see a black woman Say president. What? Yeah. <laughs> Two for one. And and I, you know, and she's, I love her, but you know, I I I don't want, I can't idealize her nope. like Biden either. Yep. You know, she she was a prosecutor. Holy sh! Oh my god. <laughs> everything <laughs> is, you man. know, <laughs>
0: everything she's damn for, John.
6: She she's a beautiful you know she threw me in jail but she's a beautiful woman. Uh, so it
0: was her job,
6: you know. Yeah. I mean, but I I still ah, uh, we're we're just uh, it's slow. It's slow. What? But yeah. we're going forward. All right, here it is Leonard Cohen. Democracy is coming to the USA. It's not here. We're working yeah. on it, you know? All right. All
0: right.
6: So always there. There it is. I see. You can't About let it go without
2: yeah, this poem. the poem. Yeah, yeah, I was I was gonna say before <laughs> before you close this out with this poem, I, I also wanna re- remind our listeners um that your the The Seekers is your third book, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, The Seekers Meetings with uh remarkable musicians is available. Came out uh late twenty twenty and it's you exploring The creative process of modern uh, artist, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we want to thank you for doing this. So, could you please bless us with with this uh, this poem in closing? Uh, My my uh, thing
0: on mute till it's time for my snaps. (laughs) Okay,
6: Okay, so uh, yeah, this goes out to Stacy Abrams, and uh, I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play my jazz brushes on my doom on my doom back, which is crazy but so what and um what can i say all right this is a poem by etheridge knight african-american poet who um i think he won the national book award or was nominated and Gwendolyn Gwendolyn brooks pulitzer poet was his mentor yes and so uh etheridge wrote this for his daughter when she was 14 now i'm going to move this mic down in in the front of my face so I won't drown out the vocal. We'll see if this works. It's called Circling the Daughter. You came to be In the month of Malcolm, and the rain fell with a fierce gentleness like a martyr's tears on the streets of Manhattan when your light was lit, and the city sang you welcome. Now I sit, trembling in your presence, 14 years have brought the moon blood, the roundness, the girl giggles, the grand leaps. We are touched tender in our fears. You break my eyes with your beauty, oh baby, I love you.
3: Okay, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Out of class. <laughs>
5: Listen, <All right. laughs> ladies and gentlemen, John. with the brushes. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: that is the legend, John Dinsmore, horn brushes and poet hey, vibes. Uh, Questlove Supreme.
5: Exclusive, exclusive, exclusive.
3: Yo, man, I was watching you. I was thinking, yo, they need to get John Densmore and cast you as Joe Biden on SNL. Yes! <laughs> <Yeah>!
1: <laughs> That's funny. You would be no, the- for real. I think you could do
0: things Jim Carrey can't do, but you could do.
6: Uh, there you go. You know, yeah. if this damn virus gets better, maybe next year my paperback will be out and I'll get to sit in with the roots again.
2: So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Questlove Supreme. We like to thank. John one for blessing us uh, with this interview, very informative. The, the performance, we gotta bring the performance back. Yes! So, on behalf of Team Supreme, Montego, unpaid bill, Sugar Steve, and Laia, this is Quest Love. We will see you on the next go round. Thank you.
4: Hey, this is Sugar Steve. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.
2: Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.